I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to the Align Podcast. My name's Aaron Alexander, and in today's fabulous episode, Got to chat with Mr. Steve Cam. Steve Cam is an inspiration to me. Uh, he is uh, the rebel leader of nerd fitness. Just finished up uh, releasing a really, really rad book I just got done called Level Up Your Life. And he is uh, a really beautiful example for all of us on how you can take your maybe less than ideal scenario of life and turn it into whatever the heck you want. In this conversation, we get into uh, changing up perspectives on reality, I guess. There's a quote from Epictetus said something along the lines of uh, the events in your life are not what change your emotional state, be happy or sad. It is your perception thereof that is control of how we feel. Any event, you can shift your perception of it with enough uh, self-awareness, I think. And that's kind of sort of what we get into in this conversation. We get into addiction, specifically in relation to video games, but uh, that's analogous for anything. Um, habit breaking, uh, travel, all sorts of interesting stuff. I had a phenomenal time breaking it down, Mr. Steve Cram. You'd start out as a you know a weak character with like a tunic and a sword, and you'd see this guy riding by in like a, a horse made of flames, and you know he just killed a dragon. And he's wearing like the head of a griffin or a, whatever. And in a game, you're like, oh man, like if I keep playing this game, then I can eventually be like that guy. This is amazing. And then in life, like somebody's brand new to the gym and they see somebody that is really strong and fit and they're, they're like, their first thought is like, oh, it must be nice to have great genetics. And oh, it must be, and it's like, dude, you don't know how long that guy has been playing this game of life. Thank you so much for tuning in to aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find this self-care kit which is a hollow foam roller inside two different size mouthwash release balls, decompression band, door anchor, and then screw on lids. And it comes with a video guide on how to use that little sucker. Uh, really rad, everything you need to keep your tissue hydrated, moving well for the rest of your life for the low, low cost of $90. Check it out, worth it, I would say. Interesting read of the week is a book that we mentioned in the conversation called Sapiens, I would highly recommend it. Yuval Harari, get on the show, Yuval. I sent you an email. I know you hear me. Get on here. Uh, really, really interesting book. And uh, one of the points that I think would be kind of fun for y'all to ponder on is, did we domesticate plants and crops or did the crops domesticate us 10,000 back in 10,000 BC when uh, we started the, the agricultural revolution or agrarian age began it's pretty interesting to think of the sophistication of a hunter gatherer foraging individual in comparison to a modern person that can survive quite well with literally knowing pretty much nothing just being dependent upon whatever trust fund deal or whatever what whatever it was or being highly specialized in some job that may or may not be relevant in 10 years five years 20 years whatever it is and um yeah as a foraging human being as a hunter gatherer you have to be completely in tune with your environment you have to be completely you have to have so much awareness of how to build tools on the fly how to hunt and gather berries or animals or what have you and are there storms coming in like your overall sensitivity to your environment you are in sync with this larger organism that is earth and it is you know air and is space and such. 
I might be a little too far out there, but um, but I think it's true. Um, you know, and then you look at what we've done with agriculture, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like domus is a Latin derivative from from domestication, or domicile, house, living in the house. All of a sudden, we are building these plants. We're constructing the land, getting rid of the rocks, putting all of our time and our energy and our sweat and our tears into creating these large crops. The United States is subsidizing the crap out of this stuff. Meanwhile, it's causing all sorts of health conditions with people. And we're really, we're perpetuating the species of wheat or corn. Meanwhile, we're making ourselves sick and working our asses off in order to do it. It's, um, it's kind of like when you walk around and you see, you know, a person picking up after their dog and, you know, after it poops all over the place and such. It's like, do you work for the dog or does the dog work for you or how does that work? I have a feeling that it's, uh... Kind of, kind of feel like more we work for the crops. So interesting thought. Ponder on that one for a little bit. Um, set up a Patreon link on the website where if you feel inclined to kick down a cup of coffee towards me for an episode, you can get on there and uh, kick down some 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 scratchola. I greatly greatly appreciate that. It would be just wonderful to be able to operate this podcast and be earning a little bit of money off of it as opposed to spending away my savings <laughs> on keeping this thing happening. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate your time and your care and your consideration. You can also utilize the Amazon portal on the website and that's Amazon absolutely free to you. Kicks down a little bit of Scratchola, a small percentage off of your purchases. I think like 6% or something like that. So if you buy something for a thousand bucks, I'll get 60 bucks out of that. That would be awesome. Cost you nothing. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Mr. Steve, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick Align Podcast. Because I just got back from just shy of five months. I was cruising all throughout Europe and then a bit of Africa and exploring movement and just sure. cult- cultures, history, where essentially looking, trying to understand where white people came from. <laughs> I just read, um... <laughs> Have you heard of the book Sapiens? No, but I'm check it out. It. Yeah, I cool. just I'll I just finished it reading it. It's fascinating. It looks it digs into like the I guess pretty much from an anthropological perspective, but the, like the history of the human species all the way back to you know seventy thousand, eighty thousand, a million years ago, and yeah. and and uh, all the way up through to like the singularity and the future of the human race, and it's all done in like a very entertaining, interesting way. It's I just finished it literally this morning. It's uh. Awesome. Great read. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So the thing that I, we're recording by the way, uh, the, thing, the thing that I like about traveling, especially in this trip to Europe that I thought was really interesting was I grew up in Philadelphia or outside of Lancaster, Amish country. Okay. And, and uh, it was amazing to go to London and go, you know, through Western Europe and such, because what I saw was, wow, this is this is pretty much Philadelphia. It's like, oh, well, that's because it's a Philadelphia's an old British colony, you know? And then right. you keep on going through and you move over to Rome and you're like, wow, this place is a lot like Rome. It's like, well, that's because Rome conquered that. And then you get into the Muslims and you get to the Egyptians. And it's amazing how much richer the story becomes when you, when you read the book, you know, when you go into well, the yeah, story. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just, I love to nerd out about that stuff. Like, I'm just curious about everything. And, I, you know, I probably read... I don't know, I guess two books a week maybe. Um, and it's just fascinating. Just, I, don't, I don't care what it is, but I love to learn about stuff and, and learning about the history of uh, us as a species and then how like certain things we assumed were done for the right reasons, like we're just completely randomized and, and you know, a certain tribes or beliefs or thought processes won out over other ones for no reason other than it, right place, right time. And we might be under completely different circumstances if certain people didn't do certain things. It's just fascinating to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everybody knows, you know, history, his story, you know. And so when we're looking at that, I find it fascinating. Our, it's like we, we want to fill our psychic free space with some kind of story. You know, we're not looking for truth. We're looking for a story. Sure. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I th- you know, perceptions reality as well. I think for, you know, I talked about this in, in my book, but I just, I fell in love with the concept of, you know, the hero's journey as well. And this concept that every great story in history follows a very similar story arc. And it, it, this, this is interesting because I guess it's, it's, it's strikingly 
opposite of what I read about in Sapiens. And in Sapiens, it talks about like, you know, we are like, we're, we're a species and through a crazy number of random events got us to where we are. And, uh, and, and yet we place, we place this great importance on ourselves and our place in the universe and so on and so forth. And, and then I thought like, well, wait, who cares? Like, if you want to come up with a kick-ass story, why you're doing the things that you do and place a greater level of importance on your day-to-day activities, because it helps you make sense of this crazy world we live in, like more, more power to you. So, uh, for somebody that grew up in suburban, you know, I grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts in a town called Sandwich. And I, I, you know, I went to public school and played in the backyard and had, you know, water gun fights and water balloon fights and, and try to like figure out where my place was learning about these stories and escaping into them. You know, stories like, uh, you know, say Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or whatever it may be, stories you're like, oh, man, here's this character that comes from humble beginnings and goes on to do great things. If they can do it in a story, then, like, why can't I do it in real life? And I don't know, as soon as I kind of reframed my existence around, like, what if I'm living a story right now? How would that influence some of the decisions that I make? Or how would it place a greater level of emphasis on the things that I do and positively influence me to make uh, better decisions or decisions that further or improve my interactions with other people may leave a bigger, better mark on the, on the planet. So I don't know, I've, I've fallen in love with stories and, uh, fun to hear that you have as well, especially traveling through, uh, Europe and Africa, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I was reading in your book, one of the, which I would, I would suggest anybody check out the book. I had a great time reading it. Um, but one of the things you reference is the, the hobbits, you know, and like, it's like hobbits don't live in, they live in a hobbit hole. It doesn't mean it's stinky. It doesn't mean it's, you know, whatever. What it, what it means is it's comfortable, you know, and that's the thing that I find to be kind of like the, the nemesis, you know, if you want to talk from like video games perspective, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's that comfort. And the, if I have any regrets in my life, which, you know, regrets is a silly word, but if I do have any, it's when I chose comfort over adventure. You know, it's like, oh, it's $150 to do that. Like, I could save that money for organic groceries or something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Glu- gluten-free organic. Uh, paleo right. cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The comfort is modern society has done everything they can to shield us from any sort of discomfort in that, uh, you know, a, a more comfortable couch and a more padded shoe and a more ergonomic desk chair and a more sterile environment to keep us, you know, anti antibacterial soap and, and whatever. It's like uh, throughout the book, I too, I talk about this concept of anti, anti-fragile or anti-fragility yeah. uh, by uh, Nassim Taleb. It's this great mental model that by neglecting to, prov- to hit ourselves with little bits of chaos here and there, aka little amounts of discomfort, when a big big amount of discomfort comes along. We are so unprepared to handle it. So that's like, uh, you know, you spend all day sitting on a, in a beautiful, comfortable couch and watching television, and all of a sudden the next day you're forced to go out and run a marathon. Or you spend a comfortable existence working a job that you don't really enjoy. There's one task that you do kind of well, but you don't really care. And then all of a sudden the economy turns sour and you're fired and you're like, I'm not prepared. I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't have anything saved. I was expecting this one thing to provide for me and I don't have any other future. I don't have any other plans, any other skills I've worked on. So this idea of anti-fragile from, from a body perspective, from a job perspective, from an adventure perspective, it's, you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable in many aspects of your life. And the more you can kind of push that a little bit further, the more you'll be prepared for anything and the fewer times you'll then have to say, I can't do that because I'm not ready for it. Whether it's running a marathon, biking down an ancient ruin somewhere, trying gymnastics or swing dancing for the first time, having confidence to take a trip outside of your country, the more times you can expose yourself to being uncomfortable, the more comfortable you get with those things and the easier it becomes then to say yes and have that life-changing, mind-altering growth focused experience that gives you a completely different perspective and one hell of a story to come home with. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes, which I don't know who said it, but, uh, is the best. Probably Abraham Lincoln. I think it was honest Abe, (laughs) you know, which he has a good one too that I like to say, but, uh, it's the best gift that you can give to anyone is an obstacle that they can barely over or barely get over. 
honest Abe Lincoln quote that I love since you brought it up is if you give me if you give me uh, an axe and eight hours to chop wood, I would use six of it to sharpen the eyes. That's not how he says it, but it's something like that. Right, something like that. Yeah. That's a good one too. <laughs> you know, but uh, along with the, the anti-fragile perspective on things, something that I notice with trips and coming out of my comfort zone and ripping myself out of the sofa, whatever, like the metaphoric sofa, whatever that may be. In this case, it was buying a, tr- a ticket to London you know, and spending the winter in traveling. What sure. the, the biggest thing that I feel with that is the, the perspective change and kind of like the, the option to reanalyze what matters in my life and what maybe just wheels I was just spinning because I was so deep in that rut that I can't see beyond it because I'm now underground. And that's sure. what I witness when I come back to the modern world. I see so many people that are in a tunnel and it's impossible to shake him out of it. And frankly, I don't necessarily oh. really care to shake him out of it. But sure. I, I feel like I see it. You know, is that something well, you, you and, and you can't shake him out of it too. They have to have that experience. Like you could right. try to explain. It's like trying to explain to somebody what, uh, you know, what the color red is. Like, but <laughs> unless they've seen it for themselves, they're like, oh, I get it. That red that now makes sense to me. But when you're traveling and you know you're sitting on a bus in a foreign country with 30 people crammed on it, and somehow they cram another 20 people in there, and it takes you four hours to get someplace. Like you learn patience, and you learn like, oh, these certain things are important, or you miss a flight, and as a result of that, you end up staying in a hostel and make a lifelong friend with somebody else that missed something. Then when you return home, like the whole like, oh, I'm getting fake outraged over something on social media. Like you realize like this doesn't really matter to anybody about anything and it doesn't further anybody's life. It doesn't improve anybody's existence. Uh, it's it's merely noise, digital junk food, whatever it is. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it applies to that, sitting in traffic, whatever. It, it, we, there's so many things that I think we, because we're stuck in our hobbit holes underground, uh, the certain things that we find so important uh, require a bit of perspective. And it wasn't until I started traveling and visiting dangerous third world countries where I only found nice, supportive, enjoyable, happy people who couldn't wait to invite me into their homes and and share meals and beers with. And, and uh, then returning home from that and it's almost tough. Like it's, you know, they say you can't go home again. Like it's tough coming back and trying to like reacclimate yourself to society that, is built on these things that are not important. It's like, guys, like, just, it doesn't matter. Like, go move and do stuff. And experiences are so much more important than buying more crap that you don't need. And and yeah. until people kind of are willing to make that leap to, uh, or, you know, as they say in the Matrix, take the red pill yeah. um, and see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Uh, it, until people are willing to make that make that jump, uh, it's it's very tough to explain to others just how, how important and how exciting it can be to go on an adventure where you don't know how it will turn out and right. where it will where it will end up. Those, those those are the things that are most exciting and provide, I think, the most perspective for people. Yeah. And so in your book, you talk about, you break it down into uh, steps or levels, you know, so like level 50 is like, you know, you finish the game or maybe not finish the game, but you know, it's the, I think something that people get wrapped up in, and we've talked about this before on the show, but you know, you're in level three and you really want to be in level 30. So you just drive to level 30 and you miss four through 29. Sure. You know, so I'm curious as far as like actionable advice and such that from your perspective, like how did you start to level up in a sense, you know, from, from where, where you were dissatisfied with life to, you know, like what was the progression? Sure. Well, I, I was... As, as a child growing up in the 80s or, you know, being born in the 80s, uh, I came to be and started to, to, you know, grow up a little bit uh, right around the time that the original Nintendo had come out and Super Nintendo was a big part of my childhood. And yeah. I fell in love with the idea of video games and, and leveling up. And I remember playing certain games as I got a little bit older, role-playing games, in which you'd start out as a, you know, a weak character with like a tunic and a sword. And you'd see this guy riding by in like a a horse made of flames and you know he just killed a dragon and he's wearing like the head of a griffin or a, whatever and in a game you're like oh man like if i keep playing this game then i can eventually be like that guy this is amazing yeah. and then in life like somebody's brand new to the gym and they see somebody that is really strong and fit and they're, they're like their first thought is like oh it must be nice to have great genetics and oh it must be and it's like dude you don't know how long that guy has been playing this game of life like right. he's level 50 if you're level two like don't compare yourself to him just like you don't compare yourself as a tunic wearing wooden sword guy to the flame the the level 50 badass dude like right. life is life is no different um 
to rep that quote you just said, the greatest gift you can give somebody is an obstacle that they can barely overcome. Is you know essentially this, that's what they call the progress principle. It's what every addictive video game is built upon. Whether you're playing Candy Crush or World of Warcraft or whatever it is, every level is a teeny bit more difficult than the previous one. And every time you beat that new level, your brain releases this bit of dopamine. It's like I love that feeling. I completed something that was challenging, but not too challenging that I gave up. Um, not too easy that it was a pushover, but rather just challenging enough to make me think about it and work at it, and then I could have that sense of accomplishment. Yeah. So I thought, as somebody that had spent far too many hours escaping into video games, let's look at life. Like, life is the game. I'm the character. And why don't I put a series of quests and missions in place that are increasingly difficult that get me addicted to improving myself as a person in an, any number of ways and facets um, so that uh, I can get hooked on leveling up myself as a character. So that involved taking trips to equally or increasingly exotic locations, learning to play musical instruments from not knowing how to you know play the first note up to uh, performing in public, um, uh, business goals, freedom goals, volunteering, philanthropy goals, so on and so forth. So I broke my life into a series of quests and missions built on this progress principle to get myself hooked on living a better life and making the planet a better place, applying those same game mechanics and uh, behavioral psychology things that got me hooked on games in the first place. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, perspective is, is everything, you know, and that's something, even with traveling, something I'll notice sometimes is... Uh, there's like, it's a, it's a mix. I'm very bipolar when I travel, you know, there'd be days where I'm just like, this is amazing. This is the best thing in the world. And other days I'm just like, what the hell How did I get here? am I doing here? This is ri ridiculous. You know, and it's like, and then sure. all of a sudden you, if you, if you manage to change your perspective a bit, you know, like there's, there's a, a concept called psychogeography. I, I, I think that's what it's called. It's really fascinating. And I hope that's what it's called. That yeah, sounds think, awesome. Yeah, it's cool. And so, and so the concept of it is, essentially looking at your geography beyond just the standard like maps and cities and street names, but looking into how does this city use the color red? You know, how does this, you know, looking into what's like the, what's, if I could put the, the demographic or the personalities into some type of genre of this neighborhood, like how does this neighborhood impact the psychology of these people? And really just starting to change your perspective a little bit to become more fascinated with your reality. And that's something I think so many people as they walk through the world, they have their big oversized headphones on and they're just like, you know, blaring out of the same music to listen to over and over again, blocking everything out, literally wearing blinders or figuratively, I guess, like ear blinders. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, that's the thing. I was shake she people. Shake people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 as somebody that, runs a website called Nerd Fitness, uh, I tend to take my education and inspiration and motivation from the things that made me who I am as a kid. And and I, for anybody that's like, oh, it must be nice to go travel to a foreign country. I can't do that. I work a nine to five. I have kids, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, I would, I would counter their argument with the movie The Goonies, uh, in which a group of children in, uh, it's, it's a story of Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's right nearby here. Yeah, I've been out to the beach, actually, where they yeah. have the three rocks, uh, yeah. one-eye willies, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, Someone lives, people live in the house now. It's yeah, amazing. And you go and, like, stare at their window. <laughs> they, like, they, like, they told people, like, please stop driving yeah, by. Like, you're ruining our stop. lives because everybody wants to go see it. <laughs> I hate that movie. Uh, but anyways, here's the story of a group of kids living in a sleepy town that discover adventure in their, in their own backyard. So, you know, when in the book, the book I wrote, Level Up Your Life, I wanted to let people know like adventure means something different for everyone and just because you maybe you can't afford to travel yet or you live you work a job that is very restrictive or you have kids you have a sick mother you're taking care of whatever it is uh, adventure can be something different for you and it would start by opening your eyes in your home city and coming up with a series of adventures that you and or your family can have that enrich and make you appreciate and have a different perspective about the place that you're from. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, we all we all do this, but there are so many things probably in the city or town that you're from that you only go and look at when people come to visit you. They're like, oh, my friends are here to visit, like, oh, now we're gonna go do blah, 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 and so on, so on, so on. Like, you don't have to wait until people come visit you to go do those iconic things in your city. 
you can do them like now and turn it into a game and a fun experience and it'll make you appreciate where you're from and and the history behind it and and provide you with that like you said taking the blinders off show you that like hey where you're from is actually kind of cool too like it might not be Egypt or Machu Picchu. It might not be an ancient city in Europe or, uh, you know, the deserts of Africa or whatever it is, but it's still, it's still every place I think has its own charm. And and if you can shift your perspective and come up with an interesting, fun way uh, to turn your place into an adventure like the Goonies did, uh, you'd be surprised at what you could find out and, and how much fun you could have without having to spend a single dollar. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that the blinders, I mean, I grew up in a, in a boring town and I ended up utilizing drugs because I was bored. You know, nothing sure. nothing too crazy, but I mean, we would down bottles of Robitussin because we were bored, you know, and that didn't happen too often. That happened, I think, twice. But, mm-hmm. you know, like that to me, looking back on that, it's just like, that was just pure boredom. You know, because I didn't have, and I was playing hockey and I was lifting weights. I was into bodybuilding and all this stuff. But nonetheless, I was still just doing all this stuff that was just boring because it's a perspective thing. And I think sure. what happens with that is that's when the slippery slope of addiction starts to come in. You know, and, and so I think you can easily consider video games to be an addiction. I, I was looking, oh, I was really? looking, I was looking up this thing. It said something like. Uh, 8.5% of Americans are considered pathologically addicted to video games. You know, it's like, what was that experience to you? Like, where do you feel that came from? How do you end up digging yourself out of the hole of pathological addiction? Sure. Well, you know, for I think for everybody that's addicted to a video game, people say how bad that is. I think we can point to the, you know, severe obesity epidemic in our country and, and point out that you know, a, a far greater number of people are probably addicted to food. Um, and yeah. when certain parts of our lives are not going well, we all want to escape into something where things either make sense, where we have control, where we don't feel that kind of this drifting. And for me, you know, I, I grew up in a great town. I had great parents. I went to school. I did really well. As I got older and games became more complex and the graphics got better and somebody that has an overactive imagination not only an overactive imagination but I was also like the skinny weak scrawny person I fell in love with the idea of taking a character and turning him into him or her into something really powerful and what initially started as entertainment uh, it, it never got to the point where you know. I know some people like lose their jobs and their families and things like that. I, I never got to that point. I would still do my job to the best of my ability, but jobs and work and life became the boring parts between when I could sit back down on my computer and play a game called EverQuest, which is very similar to World of Warcraft, but right. you know, one of those persistently online games where it doesn't matter how long you play, you never actually beat it. Uh, I just continually dumped more and more hours into this because in real life, I was a construction equipment salesman that wasn't very good at my job, that didn't love what I was doing, that was on the other side of the country away from all of my friends. But in this game, I was a wizard that could freaking kill dragons. Like, who would not want to spend their time, you know, if you had a choice between the two? Like, clearly, I'm going to pick the kick-ass wizard doing amazing things instead of the socially awkward 22-year-old selling equipment that had no idea what he was doing. Like, clearly, you pick the the amazing one. So it it eventually got to a point where I was just just drifting. Every day, I was going to a job I disliked. I'd spend my weekend trying to forget the week I had, trying not to think about the week I was going to have. And every afternoon was another attempt to escape from, from the job that I had just gone to. And finally, there was one day, I'm not kidding this, I'm not kidding you, I, a computer that I had built like literally exploded on me. Like the, the, the fans in it burned out and the motherboard fried and I didn't have any money to fix it. So Perfect. that was kind of like my, in my hero's journey, that was my call to action. Like you need to do something different with your life because this is not working. Yeah. Staying in this job for any longer is not a good use of your time. Uh, not traveling, but always wishing you were traveling. Uh, right. saying you want to do things but being too scared to try them. All of this stuff is something has to change. Unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't afford to, like I literally was unable to play that game anymore because my computer exploded and I couldn't afford to fix it. Yeah. So instead, I started dumping my time, energy, and effort into improving myself as a person. Uh, I came up with this idea for the site that I had 
been sitting on for at that point probably two years but it was the idea to help people like myself other nerds um fall in love with improving themselves and that idea became nerdfitness.com which is now uh the site that i've been running uh, full-time for over five years now and has helped uh as many people as more people than ever could have imagined live healthier lives has become more adventurous lose weight build muscle and so on and so forth so um it's been an interesting journey for me from like, oh, video games are fun. And then, like, okay, they're starting to get a little bit too, they're taking over a little bit too much of my life to backing off on them until I could, you know, almost like level myself up as a person so that I could prepare myself to handle them. So now it's at the point, like, I have a great balance. Like, I travel and, and I'm in better shape than I've ever been, but I still play video games, uh, you know, here and there. I'll take, I'll take months off and then I'll go all in for a few weeks and then I'll play for an hour here and there. And, and it's become much more of an enjoyable activity for me again and much less of an escape because life has become the enjoyable, interesting, growth-filled experience that I so craved in, in, in those video games. Yeah. There's another thing I like to say is that is discipline creates freedom, you know, and so it's like that's something every time I'm doing the thing that I don't really feel like doing, you know, that's always like the little mantra that'll go through my head. And for whatever reason, it works like, I'm like yeah, this is all right. Like, I think this is I think this, yeah. is, this is worth it. You know, absolutely. Well, if you're more disciplined and can get through the things that you have to do every day sooner, that frees you up to then spend the times on the things that you want to do, be it. Uh, more travel, time with friends, working on a skill, a hobby, a passion, whatever it may be. But it requires that discipline in order for you to then free up your experience to do those things that remind you that being alive is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. I wonder with, with you, you know, did you feel like with the pursuit of happiness, you know, for in, in your path, do you feel like you were unhappy during the time of, you know, maybe obsessive video game? I don't know to what degree you were playing video games, but whatever the degree yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, like if, if a 10 is like you're in trouble, I was probably like a 7, okay. I guess, 7 or an 8. So, I mean, enough that enough that it was starting to influence and impact a lot of areas of my life very negatively. And how... I wonder what if you could if you could rate your degree of of happiness, you know, which is I think is a ridiculous word, you know, but but <laughs> you know, but if you if you could, and sure. then and then if it if it has leveled up, what would you attribute it to? Because I think there's a certain amount of of money that's helpful. There's a certain amount of you know relationships that are helpful. Is following your passion that's helpful. It's like for people that are in a rut right now, and I know there's so many people. You know, like, what do you, what do you think the real gems of value are? Because everybody thinks it's money. It's got to be money. Sure. You right. Know? Well, you know, there's, there's all those studies out there that say, like, once you make beyond X amount of dollars, right. more money does not provide you with more happiness. Right. Uh, and, geez, we've all seen it. You know, it's so sad. But um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Heath Ledger and uh, Robin Williams, Robin amazing Williams. actors that seemingly had it all. And yet, internally, they were just... A disaster, you know, and yeah. and we've all done it. We chase. Oh, if I just had a bigger car, I'd be happier. Oh, if I had a bigger house, and that'll finally make me happy. Oh, if I just made a little bit more money, then that'll solve my problems. And we come to realize, like that, that doesn't it doesn't necessarily work that way. Like, yes, once you can provide and take care of your certain basic human needs, um, I think it's how you spend your time actually provides happiness. So when I was playing those games and making a relatively great living as a construction equipment salesman, on a scale of one to 10, I was probably a, on a happiness scale, I don't know, like a three, right. um, which is tough because I'm naturally like a very optimistic person. I think like my my typical uh, range is probably like five to seven. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm naturally just more positive and more hap happy than, than I would imagine most people. Yeah. And I'm working this job and the only thing that provided me happiness was the next level in this game. I think for very similar to many people, they're like, junk food provides them with a certain tiny bit of happiness short term and then short term happiness and then they chase it again and again or people are chasing you know the next hit on for drugs or alcohol or whatever whatever it may be for me it was it was gaming so if i was a 3 back then i'd say like my my filter now probably operates between like a 6 and a 6 and a 9 i don't know it's nice number nice combination it, yeah i tried to like <laughs> I, uh, I, um, in, in doing research for the book, I really wanted to, you know, it's because it's a, 
almost like a personal development book for people that are skeptical of personal development. Like I really wanted to dig into like from a scientific skeptical nerds perspective, like what happiness is and and how I could, if I can like manufacture happiness, if I could break it down into its, its base elements, you know, I found it was spending some time every day on something that challenges you and makes you lose track of time. Uh, something that shows you or allows to show you that you're making progress on something and time spent in close proximity of people that uh, you enjoy spending time with. So that is the progress principle. So um, for like things that challenging you. So it's like at, at work, you're working on a project that you are excited about that is challenging to you and makes you feel like you are making an impact. Uh, when you're not working, it's spending time on an activity that makes you lose track of time. Yeah. So it can be playing. For me, it's playing music uh, and occasionally playing video games. But for me, it's playing music. Actually, while writing the book, I wanted to prove the concept worked. So I learned to play the violin while writing the book, applying the principles that I was writing about in the book as I was learning to play the violin. So very meta. But I was like, I, I wanted to prove like, hey, look, these concepts work not just for health and fitness, but for um for other things that, that you can get excited about. And yeah. for me, it was music. And then lastly, it's spending time, you know, I've heard the phrase tossed around and I don't know who to initially attribute it to, but you're the average of the people you associate the most with. Jim Rohn. And I found that to be true. And I spend time with friends that make, help me lose track of time or I spend time working on something or helping somebody that I truly enjoy interacting with. I am a positively happier person than if I'm spending time with people that consistently doubt or consistently complain or uh, are not aligned with what I'm trying to do. So I don't know, like I, I tried to like reverse engineer what happiness is and like remind myself like you have to do those things every day because tomorrow's tomorrow's not not guaranteed. While writing the book, I lost two friends, one of which was 31. He died while climbing a mountain and another one passed away from uh, a long battle with with cancer. And she was 32 or 33. Uh, It sucks. It's morbid. But, you know, we have to remind ourselves like tomorrow is not guaranteed. Eventually never happens. And if you're not enjoying today and you're just consistently counting down until the next weekend, until the next pay raise, until the whatever, so that you can be happy you're setting yourself up for a, a tremendous amount of disappointment because once you get there and realize that you're not any happier two days later, it, it, it can lead to, it can lead to a lot of issues or then you're just trying to chase the next thing. And the next thing we all, we've all heard the stories of people that are really wealthy and, and horribly insecure and very unhappy and, and try to spend their way to happiness and learn, learn, unfortunately, probably too late that money is not the money's not the solution. It's the experiences, the people and the types of things that you're working on. Yeah. And that's, I mean, talking about, you know, it's it's morbid to think about, you know, the people that die and my own deaths. Like, I think about my death a lot, you know, and I thought that was really, right. I, I, thought, do too. I thought it was really weird. And then I started reading Stoic philosophy. And I was like, I'll be damned. Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and all the boys, they're doing the same thing. They call it negative visualization. You know, we get so wrapped up. I mean, it's amazing. All the, all the crap that you see on YouTube videos and, you know, the Tony Robbins, which I, I love Tony Robbins, but all this stuff, we see we get attached to these little sound bites and all of a sudden it rules our life and it's like you know you see the secret and the power of positive visualization and all that stuff and it's like it has to be right because everybody's saying it you right. know and it's like well what about the other side of the coin what about recognizing that everything that I have in this room like looking around my office like this is rad you know but there's so much that I could I could want more you know or I could look at it from like what if I lost it all you know, all of a sudden that starts to, I think, really have powerful, powerful implications of changing, again, that perspective thing. Well, yeah. So I, I think, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, but th- they did like a happiness survey to people that had were lottery winners and then a happiness survey to people that were paraplegics in car accidents. Yeah. And initially, uh, two weeks later, the lottery winners are very happy and the paraplegics are very sad. However, two years later, life has adjusted for both of them and the paraplegics have, have, will report a higher level of happiness than those lottery winners. And you're like, how the hell is that possible? It's, it's, we get so, we adjust so quickly to our new normal that if, 
we think that the next thing will make us happier, a faster car, a bigger TV, a blah, blah, whatever it is, you get so quickly adjusted to it that suddenly like you need that thing. And all of a sudden you need to stay in the job that you dislike to afford the rent on the house that you don't need to <laughs> buy, to fill it up with more crap that you don't actually can't afford to impress people you don't like. like I love that just, quote. Whatever the quote is, like yeah, yeah. I, it's... I was I was in the race, man, and and even now, like I still have to like remind myself, like whenever I move, and I move, thankfully, frequently, because it reminds me, like I have all this extra crap that I don't need, and it's not doing me any good. It's taking up mental space. It's taking up physical space. It's taking up uh, my attention away from things that uh, I should be focused on. And I don't know. It's uh, you know, it's 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 kind of like the pot killing the kettle black at the moment. Be like, oh, don't do those things because we all do it. And you know, I don't have all the answers figured out. I'm just a uh, a normal guy that loved to play video games and spent too much time sitting on a couch that eventually decided I had to get out and do stuff. And the only way I found that I could do that was by putting a, a certain system and apply game mechanics to my life to get me to be excited about those things. And once I got excited about them, the momentum kind of kicked in and uh, overcame inertia and then inertia started working for me so that now it's just consistent progress and consistent bro- growth, not because I'm waiting to become happy when I finally get there, but knowing that the excitement is in the journey and the excitement is in the getting a little bit better at things and, yeah. and helping others and, and kind of mixing all of those things together on a day-to-day basis, that's what, that's what makes me happy. Yeah, totally. It's, it's progress, you know. And so, you know, I was ripping on Tony Robbins sure. before. One of the things that he, I, I believe he mentions this, is that progress is you know, the key to happiness or something. And I agree. You know, it's like at the, at the end of the day, there's a, a quote in the front of Dan John's book, his, his, his latest book, and it's, it says, did you get better today? It's like written up on a sign or something like that. And I think that, that that's huge. You know, it's like those, those individual steps. If at the end of the day, you can observe all the various aspects of you, you know, you can look at it from like a Zelda perspective or whatever, you know, whatever, you want sure. to, whatever you're into. And you say like, are my hearts a little bit higher? You know, is my magic yeah. a little bit higher? And if it anything, even if it seems minuscule, if it's a little bit, you win. You're winning. Yeah. You know, and it's like that. It's that little thing that I think is is the biggest the biggest deal. Well, yeah. Uh, as as I I think I heard in Tim Ferriss's recent podcast or somewhere he said something like, "How you do anything is how you do everything." Love that. Um, and it reminded me of something I had heard from another friend of mine who was talking about, like, how do you build a cathedral? How do you build a whatever? And it's like, don't worry about the cathedral. There's a plan in place. All you need to worry about is laying that next brick as perfectly as you can and put it in the right spot, just the one brick. And don't worry about anything else, but put that one brick where it's supposed to go and do it the right way. And only after that should you worry about about the next one. And if you put enough of the bricks in the right places, by the end of it, you're going to have, you know, Notre Dame Cathedral. Or, uh, you know, it's a great book I read called Pillars of the Earth. It's my favorite book. It's about the construction of a cathedral way back in 1100s. It's a historical fiction, you know, with conspiracy theories built in, which is uh, stuff that just gets me really excited. And uh, I just love the idea of laying the next brick and doing it as perfectly as possible so that when somebody is like, man, I just want to move better. or Oh, I need to lose a hundred pounds or I'm in this crappy job and I want to get to a different one. And it seems so far away, AKA your level three, looking at the level 50 guy. It's like, don't worry about, don't worry about level 50. Like just focus on what you can do today and do those things as good as, as well as you can kind of buy into that process of incremental improvements. And as, you know, the tagline for nerd fitness is level up your life every single day. Like if you do a little bit every day on that thing, which is how I wrote this book, I wrote 500 words every morning for four months. Um, after which it was funny, like trying to write the book by first two months, I couldn't get myself to start because I was so overwhelmed. And it wasn't until I broke it down into a daily goal of I had to write 500 words. I was like, I can do that. Like that just, I'll just do that every day. And sure enough, months later, ahead of schedule, I had written almost enough for two books and had to cut out a ton of it. And after not writing for two months to be able to do that was because I broke it down into the daily practice and I just focused on laying the next brick. Yeah. One of the things that I picked up out of your book that I think was worth the, the price of admission was the story, the South Park story with the underpants notes. <laughs> Honestly, man, like that's something that's something that I was thinking about actually just literally a couple months ago. We're not with the same underpants language, but literally identical. 
And I read that. I'm just like, yes. You know, and it's like the, the gnomes, they go out. And they're, they're, they're collecting underpants. And it's like, why are you collecting underpants? It's like, you know, and their response is like, yeah, right? We're going to make some money, you know, profit. You know, and, and how you break it down in the, in the book is, is, you know, that's the phase one is the collecting of the underpants. You know, and that could be reading books. That could be practicing the whatever it is, you know. And then there's phase three, which is profit. And that could be metaphoric or whatever. It doesn't need to be money. You know, but then there's the phase two portion that is for most people it's just a blank space you know it's yeah. like why are Check you question mark, yeah. why are you reading all those books why are you you know you're putting all this energy and all these things you know maybe you're just into it and that's it you know but maybe you have some kind of inkling of seed of i'd like to do this something with this someday right. but the it's the, the the next step of actually processing this information into something that's usable for the rest of the world or whatever it may be you know and uh, that's something yeah, I think I people it. need to work I, it's, on. Uh, I don't know. It's the people that watch two TED Talks a day. Right. And then never do anything with it. Like yeah. these talks are, you know, they're giving to world leaders and so on and so forth. It's the, anytime you watch another YouTube video about something that is inspiring to you or motivating to you or you hear a story from somebody, you read a great article, you read a great book, like anything that I try to learn, anything that I read or whatever, I, I'm like, how can I learn from this and what can I apply? And Far too many people spend 95% of their time acquiring more information, aka acquiring more underpants, and they're like, oh, I don't have time. I'm, I'm not prepared yet enough to try this thing. Or what if I look foolish? Or I'll just read more about whatever. In reality, like, you'd be far better off, like, if you want to learn how to program, like, build a crappy, if you want to become a video game developer, like, get a crappy game up and running and available for sale on the, on the Apple Store. Yeah. Like, put it out there. Yeah. And if you want to learn to play a guitar, learning, reading more books about guitar playing, like, no, pick up a guitar and strum a crappy version of the D chord or a C chord. If you want to dance, like, trip over your own feet and go to your first class. Uh, who was it? Um, t I mentioned earlier, but Tim Ferriss on his podcast, he was he interviewed, uh, who was it, Whitney Whitney Cummings, uh, a comedian. And, she, and he said, hypothetically speaking, let's say I want to become a stand-up comic and I have to do a five-minute bit two months from now. How would you have me prepare? And she says, I would put you on stage today. Nice. You're going to go up there and you are going to freaking bomb. You're going to be terrible. And tomorrow you're going to be even, you're going to be worse. You're not, maybe not worse. You might be, you're going to be equally worse or you're going to be pretty, pretty damn terrible again. Two weeks from now, you're going to be maybe a little bit better. Yeah. And then a month from now, you actually, you might maybe make somebody laugh and so on and so forth. So for anybody that's like listening to this podcast, like, oh man, that sounds like a cool idea or, oh, that's interesting. Like, I would love to like do something, like get off your butt and go try an activity you've always been afraid to try. Put five bucks aside into a travel fund with a specific location that you're looking to visit. Change your desktop background on your computer to that city that you want to go to. Uh, make a non-refundable deposit to a class that you've always wanted to try out. Like take action expect to suck at it and know that the sooner you start sucking at it the eventual the sooner you will be able to get to the part where you're hey you're not that bad or the sooner you'll get to take that trip that will completely change your perspective right. on how you interact with people and how you interact with yourself and how you think about life and all those things uh the sooner you can move past phase one of collecting more information yeah. the sooner you can get to phase two which is take what you have learned already it's enough i promise you take action and then analyze it and then make adjustments along the way. Yeah. Yeah. There's another, another quote from a, a fellow that created a, a successful online business. I don't, I don't remember who says anything. I just remember the quotes. Wait, this is like, we've got like a quote-a-thon going on. I, I just love, love it. everything like, you're, you're saying. I'm like, oh, wavelength. it's like that thing. You same know? wavelength. Yeah. You know, and, and what it, and what it, what it is is if you waited too long for the release of your, of your thing, your product, whatever it is, then you, then you, then you waited too long. Or if you're, if you're not embarrassed. If you're not embarrassed, yes. embarrassed read the release. From then, link, CEO of LinkedIn. That's it. Link, LinkedIn. <laughs> I was going to say Spotify. I'm like, I know it's not Spotify. So if you're not embarrassed about the release, then you waited too long. You know, and it's like, I think yeah. that's the big thing is, is the willingness to put ourselves out there. This random, random story. I was cruising through Italy recently. It was, you know, and Don't one you love that you can start a story like that. Yeah, it's, it's so nice. Seriously, like how, how cool is that? You know, most people don't ever get to have that experience because they never get to 
travel, but when you can say, like, so I'm cruising through Italy, right? Like, immediately people are like, what was that? Right, okay, what, go right. on, go on. You know, and so one of the things that I noticed, and the reason that I mentioned the Italy part is because I was just in more of an observational mode. It wasn't just to, to you know, stroke myself off and say tell people that I was in Italy. You know, so right. I was observing the world. I was doing my little psychogeography thing, and I saw a little person, you know, like a you know, midget, very offensive way to say little person. You know, and it was interesting because the way that I felt about it was how lucky they are in a sense because immediately since they were a little kid they had to learn how to grow in this world and not give a damn you know about people's perspective about oh i might be judged it's like i'm being judged 100 percent of the time every person that walks past me they're judging promise you know so and, and it's it's all the people that fit into that norm they're actually oftentimes the most handicapped you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like that. Yeah. And that's the thing is we're, we're, we're embarrassed to release it because, oh, what are, what are people going to think? It was like, are gonna, what are people going to say about me on social media? Right. I know, are you familiar with the site waitbutwhy.com? No, but I'll check it out. Waitbutwhy.com. Uh, Tim Urban is the, the author, is the, is the creator of the website. And he's just got a really, really interesting way of thinking about thinking about life. But he's got a whole article on, what does he call it? Like the social something mammoth like he came up with like this concept for like how much how much power we provide and give to other people and how they think about us and how it influences our decisions which is why we stay in that hobbit hole or we stay in the comfortable path because we don't want to ruffle any feathers or worse we don't want people to tell us that what we're doing is crazy like uh, i've heard that i'm crazy quite a bit um and it's still very difficult to to overcome that especially when you're surrounded by people that you that you know want the best for you and think they know best for you uh, they they don't, and they're not in your shoes, and uh, they're going to tell you only from their perspective, and they don't know what you're going through. So, if you are trying something different, or you want to go explore some place, I, I remember I went to move to Ecuador. I was traveling with a friend, and her, her aunt was like, "Why would you ever go to Ecuador? It's dangerous, and like you couldn't pay." And like we're leaving the next day. I'm like, "How do you?" Like, why would you say that to anybody? What's the point? What's like, you know, she had to let us know that she horribly disapproved and it was a bad decision. And and sure enough, our Oceanside apartment in Ecuador was awesome. Like it was it was dirt cheap. Everybody that lived there was amazing. It had a pool and Wi-Fi and air conditioning. And everybody we met was really nice and got to practice our Spanish for a month and whatever. And but how it made me sad for how narrowly minded this person was and how important she decided she her opinion was to let everybody know that she disproved of certain things. And we all have those people in our lives that are very judgmental and just want what's best for us. And like they don't they don't know, you know, but they're they're more than willing to tell you about it. It's the people that that stay up late at night arguing in comments on on you know, blog posts about whatever and like trying to convince other people that their political view is like, what are you doing? Like, stop it. Regardless of what you say to continue our quote-a-thon, we'll go Seth Godin. <laughs> yes. Seth Godin here, be, be judged or be ignored. Or be ignored. Uh, right. Do anything of value or anything of worth or anything outside the norm. You know, the, what, what's, you know when you're a kid, they're like, oh, if, you, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you jump too? And you're like, they... No, like your parents are trying to teach you, think for yourself. But the second you try to think for yourself and go down a different path when you're older, everybody's like, no, dude, like, hey, everybody's jumping. Like, what is wrong with you? You better jump because everybody else knows what's best and they're all jumping, so you should jump too. When, you know, you should probably be like, well, look, if everybody's doing this and I want to do something different, maybe that's what's going to allow me to stand out or finally find success or happiness and do things differently than everybody else because everybody else doesn't seem very happy. Right. They seem rushed and busy and over-caffeinated and, and uh, under, you know, under-rested and, and pissed off and, and hooked on who knows what. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like you got to zig when everybody else is zagging. And, and when you try to do that, when you break from the herd, many members of the herd will tell you you're crazy because they want you to stay there so that way they don't have to change themselves. Yeah. Totally. How are we're getting you, deep here, aren't we? That's the. I, what the freak it. is the point of doing a goddamn pot? Like everything that you've said. Like I don't like to talk about anything that you can Google search. We can pull all that stuff up. You know, I'd rather yeah, right, I'd rather yeah, hear about sure. just genuine whatever. Um, how how are we on time? We got to be out of here in the next five minutes, right? Yeah, we got. I get. A, I, I can run over a little bit. So okay. uh, if you have more questions, let's keep them coming, man. All right, cool, man. Um, 
Well, so now now I lost my. Lost, I don't know. I feel like we've, we've been on some good rants, though. This is yeah, good. rants, rants, rants are just, just great. <laughs> rants so, are the best. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the real stuff. <laughs> so in, in, regards to, in regards to the book, I'll probably think of something to rant on again in a second. But what's, where, where do people find the book? Um, who, would you, who would you suggest the book to? Like, who is your, uh, what's that word? Not minion. There's, there's target a, audience? Yeah, or, target audience. Uh, there's, there's, there's a better oh, word. Um, you're oh it's great Av- not avatar avatar that's what i was Is looking for okay. yeah that's what i was looking. like who, who do you who do you think should be buying this book who's it for uh it's for i would say somebody from the age of 20 to 20 to 40 ish uh they are interested or excited about Somebody that has said they've always wanted to do something but has not to this point got themselves to be able to do it. Whether it's run a marathon, take a trip to a foreign country, learn to play an instrument, learn a foreign language. And they love the idea of it and they just can't put the pieces in the right places to get themselves to actually follow through on those things. So they can be, you know, although the book is written from my perspective, I share a number of stories throughout it of men and women, young and old, you know, from the age of 19 up to... 55, 60, uh, maybe even higher, um, that have applied the principles of the book to their lives, their families' lives, uh, to take care of their day-to-day responsibilities, but then also create a really exciting, adventurous experience for themselves and their families afterwards. So I think the book is for anybody, regardless of your socioeconomic status, your marital status, your if you have kids or not. Somebody that has said they've always wanted to do something but cannot get themselves to do it. I was that person, and I have a community of people that used to be those people. And since then, we've put very specific systems and game mechanics and support systems in place to almost, I don't want to say guarantee, but like make the default behavior this exciting growth-fueled mindset that, that I want people to have with their lives so that people can finally start doing those things that they haven't been able to get themselves into up to this point. Yeah, well, I'm curious for, I think there's a lot of people, one of the, one of the goals of this podcast is to, you know, follow, follow your dreams, you know, and one of the things that I, I picked up out of here, I have to mock myself every time I say something, you know, that's the cliche. Sure. Yeah, everyone says it. But <laughs> if one if of you the, can't mock yourself, you're like, you're like uh, Eminem in Eight Mile. Right, you got to. So what you get, the, get there first before they can. Right. One of the, one of the, th- right. one of the things that I, um, I grabbed out of the book too was the, the number one regret of people that are on their deathbed. You know, yeah. there's a, there's a, I don't remember what the name of the book was called, but but what what I what it said was that they they regret being true to themselves. You know, I think I think to I, not I, be true to themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. You, you know what I mean, right? You know, and and so uh, you know that I think that's a crucial component to health that we don't look at because it's not tangible. And everyone is feeding us all this information of how you gotta eat, you gotta eat more saturated fat, you gotta eat less saturated fat, you gotta exercise for this amount of time. Like every, all this statistical nonsense, it's just, I think, putting us in more of an analytical computer robot mode, which is like, we're trying so to keep, more underpants. Right. You know, it's like we're trying to keep up with robots with the way that we're thinking and the way that we're moving. You know, the most valuable thing that a human, the human species has at this point is our own creativity. You know, sure. it's, it, it's like we're trying to become robots. That's not going to work. All the people that are trying to beco- do robot repetitious jobs, they will be replaced very soon. You know, and so yeah. I, I would strongly suggest, not that I'm any kind of oracle of any sorts, but that we embrace our creativity because you will get smashed out by robots very soon if you do not. You know? Yeah, the robot uprising, it's coming. Who, maybe a zombie apocalypse at some point too. I don't know. I'm, I, like, thing, I'm, right. People don't realize this, but I'm building an army of really intelligent world traveling super fit nerds at nerd fitness and we call ourselves the rebellion like we're we're getting set like and once we buy like nerd fitness island and we can just move there as a as a company and like take over the world um it's it's bound to happen but yeah you make a you make a good point and the quote was and this is from a book called the top five regrets of the dying right. and somebody who's worked in a hospice house and interviewed people days away from their imminent death you know these are not people these are not armchair philosophers these are people at the end of their lives looking back on what they had done and things that they wish they had done. And the number one regret was, I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others had expected of me. Yeah. And I remember reading that and thinking about how I really, like, and completely unforced by my parents, it was more self-imposed 
pressure, but to attend the best school I could and get a job in sales because both of my parents were in sales and I figured that would make them happy. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I remember when I told them I was going to quit to try, first I quit to move to a job at half the money that I was making before to be happy. And then I quit that job, which was amazing, to try to make my business work. And in both instances, my parents just asked, are you happy? Hmm. You know, when I first told them, I was like, I'm not happy with this sales job. And, you know, many people would say things like, oh, you just got to tough it out and damn millennials and blah, 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 yada, 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 you know, entitled, whatever. And that that wasn't me. I was just horribly mismatched for this position. And I had to do something different. And I wanted to do something that lined up with with my life. And that was a creative job for my second job and then of true creativity with building my own company uh, now at Nerd Fitness and, and traveling. But every step along the way, people told me I was, I was crazy and I should just suck it up and be okay with this is how things are supposed to be. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. And I don't want to do that. I need to do what's right for me. So as you said before, you were talking about living the life that's true to yourself. I think the very, as, as you, uh, it's absolutely true with regards to your health and fitness as well, your nutrition, you know, people are like, uh, Steve, I read this article that said that a caveman, uh, ate wheat back in 11,000 years ago and not 10,000. Therefore right. your <laughs> argument about the paleo diet is incorrect. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go back to eating pizza. And I'm like, right. cool, dude. Like, I don't care. You know, like right. what I care about is, are you happy? Are you healthy? And do you feel comfortable and confident in your own skin? If you can answer yes to all three of those questions, keep doing what you're doing. If you can't answer yes to all three of those things, uh, maybe it's time to try something different. And what might work for you might what might work for you might not work for somebody else. So don't disparage them or champion your stuff. You know, at Nerd Fitness, we say one of the rules of our rebellion is question everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I have an article coming out very soon. It's about we are a group of scientists. And it doesn't matter what you're saying. Like you could find a study that tells you being a vegetarian is the greatest thing in the world or a study that says only eating meat uh, like the Inuit diet up in, you know, up in Alaska or the the Arctic uh, will provide you with the healthiest diet or rice is bad or rice is whatever it is. Like just Google study good that thing. And then you have something that you can wave at other people to show why you're right. Uh, compare that to like, hey, look, everybody's different and people are allergic to certain things and excited to do certain things and want to train in certain ways. So train the way that works for you. Uh, and people are like, I hate exercise. I'm like, okay, cool. Then try a different type of exercise. I don't run personally. Like I love gymnastics. Like I love gymnastic rings and I love uh, heavy barbell training like that's that's what makes me excited I love seeing more weight on the bar and I love trying to do a muscle up even slower than I did the week before getting closer on a front lever so when people ask me like when are you going to run your marathon I'm like uh never like right. I just I just don't but for somebody's like I hate the gym I'm like great don't go to the gym but try martial arts or try yoga or try powerlifting or try uh slacklining at the beach, whatever it is like try something yeah. and for a diet they're like well steve i don't i don't you know i can't give up blah, blah blah like okay then don't give it up is it working is it great keep doing what you're doing that's amazing is if you're getting a clean bill of health and you're happy and you feel good about it keep going if not then maybe try some other things and see how your body responds and then slowly adjust more and more and more we're all experiments and we're all testing hypotheses and it's not like this religious dogma that we have to follow and like oh geez i ate a i ate a piece of grain and i whatever like right. and all that my world is shattered because i read the study that whatever is like no dude we're all figuring this out our bodies are amazingly complex pieces of machinery and with you know just chaos happening and we don't know how these things react and respond so right. to uh, all of this to say uh, you do you, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Break it down into three words. Right, totally. And so, so we're over time. We gotta stop, stop yeah, yeah, talking about great. stuff. Which is very no, no, it's great. I mean, I don't have any time, right? I just don't want to be disrespectful of your time. But I just want people to, along with what you're saying there, uh, people can look into uh, psychoneuroimmunology. Robert Ader is the the fellow that was like the main revolu- revolutionary in, in in creating that, and. Uh, it's an interesting thing how our, our thoughts can change our physiology, you know? And so it's yeah. like, if you give the power to that grain being so bad and toxic for you, 
I would wage that you're right. You know, it's like you're always right, no matter you know whether you, you're right, whether you think you can do whether it or whether you think, you, you, think can, you, can. you can't. You know, it's like, and I think the same thing goes with food, the same thing goes with fitness, and the same thing goes with your business. You know, yeah. I, I think that, that, that we we can start to look at this stuff a little bit looser, loosen up our seams a little bit. You know, relax. Let, yeah, relax. stop taking life so seriously. <laughs> We're all gonna be dead anyway. Might as well have some fun with it. Yeah. So where do people find you, and how do people find the book, and, and all that? Yeah, stuff? Uh, the books. Uh, you can buy it in bookstores and on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and uh, that stuff. You actually go to levelupyourlife.com to read the first chapter, and you can actually create your own character there and make up your own series of quests and missions and assign experience point values to them and it's all free mm. um i think the book is like you know 14 bucks for the hardcover 10 bucks on amazon for the kindle version and then we publish two free articles a week at nerdfitness.com that are based around uh healthy eating uh functional functional strength-based movements and doing things that you love and a really supportive community to inspire and help and support you on your uh, on your journey to live a leveled up life i love it over and out man thank you so much for coming on that was uh that was really a pleasure i had a great time yeah thanks for having me yeah all right see you bro align podcast thank you so much for tuning into the podcast i greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in itunes they determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile so i look forward to reading those guys be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com that's a-l-i-g-n therapy.com on there you can find my blog you can find this podcast more information about the topics and the and the uh, guests that we've had on the show you can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.